welcome to this edition of the World We Want podcast. My name is Marcia Policiano, and I'm Chief Sustainability Officer for Relax. And I am delighted to welcome Rob Brierly. He is our guest today, having studied molecular and cellular biochemistry and pharmacology at the University of Oxford in the United Kingdom, and also clinical oncology at the University of Birmingham. After graduation, he was a technical editor for the Journal of Molecular Biology, and he worked on a series of viral hepatitis books before joining the Lancet Group in 2004. After positions at the Lancet Infectious Diseases and the Lancet, he joined the Lancet Oncology in 2008, becoming deputy editor in 2012, before launching the Lancet Gastroenterology and uh, Hepatology in 2016. His interests include gastrointestinal, but also viral hepatitis, which is one of the focus areas for World Hepatitis Day. So tell us what that is and describe the global burden and rationale behind World Hepatitis Day. Sure, thank you for the opportunity to talk with you today. Um, viral hepatitis is uh, the inflammation of the liver caused by a viral infection. There are a number of different viruses that can infect the liver, but most commonly viral hepatitis is caused by one of the five major hepatitis viruses, which are very simply named alphabetically A, B, C, D, and E. Hepatitis A is a highly contagious virus, but infection is generally short-lived. Uh, those infected with the virus usually recovering completely within a few weeks. Hepatitis A is generally spread by close person-to-person -person contact with infected individuals. For instance, there's been a, an ongoing outbreak among individuals who use injection drugs uh, or are experiencing homelessness across the US at the moment. Um, and also, it can be spread by eating contaminated food or drink. Um, and just in the past couple of weeks, the US FDA has recently recall, uh, recalled frozen strawberries that have been imported from Mexico, which have been linked to a recent outbreak of hepatitis A. Hepatitis E is also generally an acute infection with good prognosis, although it's more risky for people who are immunosuppressed or who are pregnant. Um, it's transmitted primarily by the fecal-oral route. Outbreaks and sporadic cases generally occur in lower middle-income countries with limited access to clean water and adequate sanitation. Um, an example is provided by recent recurrent outbreaks at a camp uh, for internally displaced people in Bentiu in South Sudan, where MSF have been carrying out a reactive hepatitis E vaccination campaign at the camp as a result of these outbreaks. In areas with better sanitation, hepatitis E is, is less common um, and is generally transmitted by eating undercooked meat, particularly pork. Infections with hepatitis B and hepatitis C viruses can also be acute in nature, but in a proportion of those who are infected, the infection can become chronic. Uh, and the most common route of transmission of hepatitis B is from mother to child during birth and delivery and can also be transmitted via blood or other bodily fluids during sex or via unsafe in injections, for instance. For hepatitis C, most infections occur via exposure to blood from unsafe injection practices, unsafe healthcare, unscreened blood transfusion, amongst other routes. Chronic hepatitis B and hepatitis C infections can result in some very serious complications such as liver cirrhosis, liver failure, and liver cancer. The last of the major hepatitis viruses is hepatitis D, or Delta as it's known, which is an unusual virus in that it can only occur in individuals who have HPV infection as well. As with HPV, Delta is spread via blood or other bodily fluids, and an individual can either be co-infected, that's um, obtaining both hepatitis B and hepatitis D at the same time, or via a super-infection, which is becoming uh, infected with hepatitis D when already 
having acquired HPV. As with the other major hepatitis viruses, infectious, infections with HDV can be acute, but chronic HDV can cause a much more aggressive and rapid progression of liver disease than chronic hepatitis B alone. Deaths and disabilities from those long-term complications of chronic hepatitis, that's cirrhosis, liver failure, liver cancer, represent a, a major public health challenge, uh, which is comparable in scale to other major, major communicable diseases such as HIV, malaria, and TB. This challenge was recognized in the Sustainable Development Goals, in which Target 3.3 aims to combat hepatitis, waterborne diseases, and other communicable diseases, alongside a pledge to end the epidemics of AIDS, TB, and malaria, and neglected tropical diseases. In terms of actual burden, the most recent estimates from the World Health Organization suggest that globally in 2019, almost 300 million people were living with chronic hepatitis B and almost 60 million with chronic hepatitis C. Um, and there were around 3 million new infections and 1.1 million deaths due to those viruses in that time period. Following the introduction of the SDGs, WHO released its first global health sector strategy for viral hepatitis in June 2016. Uh, and while that strategy addresses all five major hepatitis viruses, it was particularly focused on hepatitis B and C and aimed to drive efforts towards eliminating viral hepatitis as a public health threat by 2013, which they defined as a target of uh, a 90% reduction in new cases and a 65% reduction in mortality due to hepatitis B and C from a 2015 baseline. World Hepatitis Day itself was initially set up in 2008 by the World Hepatitis Alliance, which is a global alliance of civil society and community organizations that push for elimination through advocacy, capacity building and raising awareness. World Hepatitis Day was subsequently endorsed by the World Health Assembly in 2010, which brought WHO on board from 2011. World Hepatitis Day falls on uh, July 28th each year, which happens to be the, birth the, the birthday of Barry Bloomberg, who helped discover HPV in the 1960s, uh, for which he was subsequently awarded with the Nobel Prize for Medicine. The aim of World Hepatitis Day is to raise awareness of viral hepatitis and to strive for elimination. Thank you for that, Rob. Um, the theme is quite interesting because it is, uh, we, we're not waiting. And it's meant to highlight the social injustice and inequity caused by the current lack of action on hepatitis elimination and focus on the positive action needed to get on track to meet uh, the 2030 elimination goal, which as you've said, is connected with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, particularly SDG3, good health and well-being. So why do you feel this theme of urgency is so important? I think that focus on urgency is incredibly important. Um, while we've certainly made some progress towards elimination um, since they were first, since the elimination targets were first set in 2016, this progress has been um, much slower than we'd originally hoped for, and has also been knocked off course somewhat by the COVID-19 pandemic. What's particularly frustrating is that we have um, effective tools to make substantial progress. For instance, we have antiviral regimens that can cure the vast majority of individuals who have chronic hepatitis C. And while we can't yet cure hepatitis B virus, we do have effective treatments and vaccines that can prevent new infections. But the situation remains that the vast majority of individuals living with chronic viral hepatitis are unaware of that status uh, until the virus damages the liver sufficiently to cause symptomatic liver disease, and they therefore miss the opportunity to be treated. I think raising awareness of viral hepatitis is crucial uh, if we're to find those missing millions of individuals living with viral hepatitis, but who are unaware of that status. And part of that problem is a lack of political engagement with viral hepatitis elimination, but other factors um, such as stigma are at play, for instance, you know, 
there's a, a perception maybe that liver disease is self-inflicted or the result of practices that are deemed to be socially unacceptable. And there's also um, very much a, a financial barrier to this. The, the majority of the burden of viral hepatitis is shouldered by lower middle income countries in Africa. WHO data from 2019 indicate that the WHO African region accounted for almost 40% of new infections with HPV and HCV, for instance. And also in the Asia Pacific region where you know, WHO Western Pacific region experienced half the deaths from HPV and HCV that were reported in, in 2019 and 20% of deaths were in the WHO East Asian region. And there are no global funding bodies for viral hepatitis in the same way that the global fund exists uh, and has had a huge impact on tackling HIV, TB and malaria. This year's theme for World Hepatitis Day of We're Not Waiting serves as, a, as an urgent call to accelerate elimination efforts. With over a million people dying from viral hepatitis each year, the community of those living with the disease can't wait any longer for adequate levels of testing, treatment, vaccination, or even for engagement from policymakers to show the political will to act and adequately fund elimination efforts. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on the World Health Organization strategy, which aims to reduce new hepatitis infections by 90% and deaths by 65% by 2030, that deadline for the UN SDGs. So what kinds of current actions, technology, advances in the field do you think will really move that goal forward? Sure. Well, we, we have some of those technologies in place already. As, we've, as I've already alluded to, we have highly effective curative treatments for hepatitis C and effective vaccines to prevent HPV, for instance. Um, current treatments for HPV don't necessarily cure the disease in the same way that our, our treatments for HCV do, but work is ongoing to try to achieve a functional cure for HPV, although that is in itself proving uh, a little bit tricky given that the, the the hepatitis B virus is a lot more complicated a virus than is HCV. And we're also seeing over the last couple of years uh, much more work on um, treatments for HDV um, and some of them are you know are, are coming towards the end of the development pipeline at the moment which is incredibly exciting to see. In terms of actions uh, over the past few years there's been a major focus on simplification and decentralization of care uh, which is certainly essential if we are to meet elimination targets. Um, scaling up of testing and treatment will require expansion of services, ideally with testing and treatment available at the same site rather than having to go elsewhere to pick up treatment or after a certain delay. With decentralisation of care from specialists, for instance, in tertiary hospitals to lower level facilities, ideally integrated into existing services such as primary care or harm reduction services. Task sharing, for instance, that's... Um, Delivering of testing, care and treatment by appropriately trained and non-specialist healthcare workers will also certainly help scale up of, of elimination efforts. Point of care testing is another area that's been explored over the past few years and is available for hepatitis C. This point of care testing allows testing to be done rapidly and for treatment to be started on the same day, which is especially important for hard to reach or marginalised populations who have limited access to healthcare services. Efforts need very much to be focused on similar simplification of care pathways for hepatitis B if we're able if we're to be able to achieve elimination by 2030. In terms of other actions, I think there are also um, lessons that we can learn from COVID-19 and can be brought to bear on accelerating efforts towards elimination. There are, certainly people are much more familiar with self-testing, for instance, which is possible for viral hepatitis and could help increase diagnosis and linkage to treatment. 
responses to the pandemic have also shown that government attention, policy and resources can be made available when there is a clearly recognised need for them and a compelling argument can be made for them. And this really underlines the importance of advocacy in pushing viral hepatitis up the political agenda. Thank you. And we know that viral hepatitis impacts, as you said, some of the world's most marginalised and disadvantaged communities the hardest including indigenous populations, refugees, uh, people who are incarcerated, uh, those who are drug users. So what stigmas, taboos, or barriers do you feel affect care for marginalized populations? Sure. Well, as, as alluded to earlier, stigma is a major factor that needs to be addressed uh, as we work towards elimination of viral hepatitis. Um, as with other bloodborne viruses such as HIV, individuals living with chronic hepatitis are affected by social stigmas involving negative preconceptions or stereotypes and a general lack of knowledge or understanding of how the viruses are transmitted. This is seen, for instance, by high-risk groups such as men who have sex with men, people who are incarcerated or people who inject drugs, for instance. This stigma can prevent individuals wanting to engage with healthcare in the first place and also occurs against a backdrop in which access to screening, vaccination and links to stable long-term care are often not available or provided in a systematic fashion. Similarly, minority ethnic groups can feel sidelined by clinical services or might feel disengaged and marginalised, while migrant populations in high-income countries can face discrimination and have to navigate unfamiliar healthcare systems, which clearly represents a, a barrier to their engagement with testing and treatment. But there are also structural barriers in place. Uh, for example, despite clear evidence that the drugs that we use to cure HCV work just as well in people who inject drugs as in uh, people who don't, access to those treatments can be restricted through substance use or sobriety requirements. Uh, for instance, in the US, providers are required to counsel potential patients about substance use issues before initiating treatment in uh, eight states, uh, while substance use restrictions before or during treatment, including abstinence or mandatory treatment for substance use disorder, is required in six states. There's no need for these barriers to remain in place, and they serve only to hamper ef elimination efforts. Thank you. And... When we consider that World Hepatitis Day provides an opportunity to really step up national and international efforts on hepatitis in order to encourage actions and engagement by individuals, partners, the public, it will serve certainly to highlight the need for a greater global response SDG 17 is partnerships for the goals, and I wondered what partnerships you've seen um, develop that you feel might move society toward the 2030 hepatitis elimination goals? As I, as I mentioned earlier, there's no international funding body for viral hepatitis in the same way that, for instance, the Global Fund exists for HIV, TB and malaria which has forced much more collaboration and partnerships um, to occur within the, the viral hepatitis movement. Um, and the community has had to develop more innovative financing mechanisms. The launch of the Hepatitis Fund in 2019 has been a, a major step in that direction. The fund provides funding to support um, national and subnational strategic plans to be developed to guide H uh, viral hepatitis program implementation. Most recently, the Hepatitis Fund has hosted in collaboration with the Clinton Health Access Initiative, a high-level resource mobilization conference, uh, which has acted as a global call to action and to increase financial and political commitment to hepatitis elimination. 
a major outcome of that meeting was an announcement of a pricing breakthrough that has effectively reduced the cost of treatment for um, hepatitis C and hepatitis B for lower middle income countries. In that agreement, 12 week course of uh, pangenotypic regimen for um, treatment of hepatitis C will now have a ceiling price of 60 US dollars per patient per course, which represents a 90% reduction from the initial costs of the, these drugs for HCV when they first became available in 2016 and a ceiling price of 2.4 US dollars per 30 tablets or a month course has been established for uh, tenofovir disoproxil, which is uh, one of the treat one of the major treatments for hepatitis B, which brings its price in line with that for its use in HIV treatment. I certainly hope that this move will go a substantial way to reducing the level of funding needed by countries to eliminate hepatitis and truly spur progress towards elimination. I think we're also witnessing um, an increasingly confident voice from civil society led by the World Hepatitis Alliance uh, and a willingness for different groups to work together to amplify messaging and apply pressure. We've seen this working most recently with a campaign to encourage Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, to restart their support for rollout of uh, support for hepatitis B birth dose vaccine programs. Gavi had promised to include hepatitis B birth dose vaccine programs in their support uh, in their 2018 strategy, but then that was put on hold alongside a number of other initiatives as a result of COVID. But it was fantastic to see after months of sustained campaigning from numerous groups uh, involved in ending viral hepatitis that Gavi has recently recommitted to, to supporting HPV birth dose vaccine rollout. I, I think the importance of, of this uh, access to support for the HPV birth dose vaccine um, is put into perspective by the fact that sort of only 17% of newborn babies in the WHO African region receive a timely birth dose of the HPV vaccine. And given that 70% of infections with HPV occur in Africa, this support is a, is a major boost to elimination efforts. So I think there have been some positive movements and there are reasons to be hopeful. Um, but we are seven years from the launch of the 2030 elimination targets and only seven more remain before that 2030 deadline. Uh, there's certainly no more room for complacency and we really can't wait any longer to act on viral hepatitis. Thank you, Rob. Um, you make a very compelling case for support. So you mentioned about this cost reduction in the treatment. That is really exciting. Is that then, um, is that preventative or that is after a diagnosis? And how many courses of the drug that you mentioned are necessary just to understand the, the true cost of what is required? So um, the, the treatments are for individuals who've had a diagnosis. Um, in terms of hepatitis C, a short eight to 12 week course of the treatment should be enough to cure the patient of their infection. For hepatitis B, we don't yet have a cure for infection, um, but treatment with tenofovir will um, control that disease and re greatly reduce the risk of uh, complications in the longer term. It's a lifelong treatment after that point at uh, present, but there are there is work ongoing for um, for more effective treatments that will essentially create a, a cure for patients. Given how much disease um, there is in the world and the need for treatments and the primacy of research to lead to new treatments with limited resources, how should states, how should funding bodies allocate resources across these very worthy need for support? 
Yeah, well, that's that's a, a difficult a difficult question to to answer, really. I mean, I think in terms of viral hepatitis, there's an argument to be made that it's not just the infection that's the problem. In the longer term, there are massive effects on productivity and loss of healthy life years, etc., and the economic impact. But also, as one of the major harms from chronic hepatitis is you know liver cancer etc it feeds into to cancer care and oncology care and it, we're not working in a silo here this has implications for other other diseases and other major burdens of disease across the world and world hepatitis day is really putting a spotlight on the disease the burden of that disease the hope uh, with good uh, continued efforts across a range of stakeholders, uh, what can be achieved in terms of meeting the 2030 hepatitis elimination goals, but it's one day or one month. And what kind of communication would be most effective to ensure that spotlight remains during the course of a given year? I don't think there's any one particular message that would do it over the course of the year, but I think there just has to be the sustained focus on it, and and not to not to give up, not to get disheartened by lack of progress. You just have to keep chipping away, and 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 you know, saying we can't wait any longer. We only have seven years before we have to meet these WHO targets, and uh, we we can't wait to for that engagement from policymakers and and, and elsewhere to to really push for that. There needs to be a a consistency of messaging, I think, rather than any one particular thing, we just constant make sure that it doesn't get doesn't drop off the agenda. We ask all our guests on the World We Want podcast to tell us what world we should want and their thought on how we get there. I, I mean, I, ideally, I would I would want a a world which has equitable access, universal access to healthcare for everyone who needs it. Um, it's, as, it's as simple as that. There are there are too many things standing in in people's way to to get the access to as it should be a human right. Well, that would certainly go a great way toward meeting SDG three, good health and well being for all. Rob, thank you very much for joining us. And we ask all our guests a final question, which is the message you want to leave listeners with. And I think if we if we tie it back to to World Hepatitis Day. Um, and that there really is an urgency to action. We are seven years from uh, the 2030 targets, and we are not currently on track to meet them. Um, so there is no more room for complacency. We really can't wait longer to act on viral hepatitis. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to discover more conversations about how to build back better to achieve the global goals, see leading edge news, science, law, and business content on the Relics SDG Resource Center at sdgresources.relx.com.